Shikuri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Bhavunitaranda ki jai, Govabhaktabhinda ki jai, Govapremanandi. Good evening, everyone. So, did you go swimming? Yeah. Karnam didn't go? He went? Did he drown? <laughs> He's not here. That's okay, that's okay. Sit, sit. <laughs> so, any question tonight? Yes. My question is that we get so much from the holy name as devotees. So, um, is the devotee giving anything by chanting to Krishna? Because we get so much, but do we give anything in return by the, the, the act of chanting. Well, um, the act of chanting is an act of giving oneself to Krishna. Just like when you You have to chant with your heart, not with your tongue. So it's not a tongue exercise, but a heart exercise. Hmm? Um, Someone might ask that, uh, what can you give to Krishna? He has everything. But it's said that there's one thing that Krishna is missing. And that is his, he's missing his heart because he's given it to his devotees. And so we want to be devotees. And therefore we give our heart to Krishna. And the chanting is an expression of, of that. Um, when we chant, we are really uh, it, uh, it engaging in a form of service. Bhakti is uh, expression of love, or as Prabhupada used to say, if you love someone, then you serve them. Hmm? 
So, um, uh, but, uh, chanting, kirtan, is a principal limb of the body of, of bhakti. Hmm? So it, it is a form of, of service. And in that sense, it's a form of, of giving oneself hmm? in the kind of the, the, the Mahaprabhu referred to, a, I believe, as like, like the fire of Sankirtan. Sankirtan is a yagya. Hmm? It's described as such in the uh, Bhagavatam. There it is mentioned, Krishna Varnam Tisakrishnam Sangopangastra Parshadam Yagnai Sankirtana Prayer Yajantihi Sumedasaha. That it, it's described that this verse describes Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's um, a verse in the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam where the characteristics of the different yuga avatars are being described. And this is a description of the Kali Yuga avatar. The understanding of this verse as such has been given to us by uh, Jiva Goswami under the uh, guidance of Rupa and Sanatan. What I mean by that is prior to um, their contribution and commentary, no one understood that verse in that way. One of the reasons for that is because among the thousand names of Vishnu, one of them is Triyuga, which was taken to mean that, that the Godhead, as far as descending in the different yugas and teaching the yuga dharma comes only in three yugas which doesn't say much for Kali Yuga <laughs> um, but the Bhagavatam as understood by the Goswamis turns that understanding on its head and makes Kali Yuga the best yuga of all in that very same section of Bhagavatam, a couple of verses after the verse that I cited, the glory of Kali Yuga is mentioned in that in Kali Yuga, Kaliya Sabhajayanti Arya Gunagya Saravagina Yatrasan Kirtanenaiva Sarva Sarta Bilavjite. That the, just by um, Sankirtan, which is an easy thing in one sense. In Kali Yuga, then one can achieve all the results of all the other yugas and more. Uh, it's said that the demigods are just waiting in line to take birth in Kali Yuga, hmm? to take advantage of such an easy method. Of course, it appears easy in comparison to the dharmas of other yugas. But for those in Kali Yuga, it's kind of hard. (laughs) Um, But relatively speaking, it's easy. 
it's easy in the sense that if we care about someone, if we love someone, if that someone is on our mind, it's not uncommon to sing about them. Right? To sing in the shower, as they say, where it echoes and you sound a little better. <laughs> um, so, um, it's something that we do naturally anyway. We ver- verbally, we glorify others. Hmm? Um, whether it be sports figures or um, figures in the movies or in politics uh, political leaders and so on and so forth Hmm? actually you can see that um, even from a secular point of view in our times if you will, Kali Yuga, taking to the streets with horns and symbols and banners and chanting um, can, uh, can, can free Poland from Russia, which is not an easy thing to do, for example. So uh, it is said that there's power in Kali Yuga by taking to the streets and and chanting, in particular, and of course, from a spiritual point of view, then chanting the name of Krishna is particularly efficacious in in Kali Yuga. So Kali Yuga becomes a very auspicious time, rather than an inauspicious time. So this is this is really the really the way of bhakti. Hmm? On the, uh, as a uh, kind of in, in principle, it um, has a way that is uh, love does, and bhakti is love of turning faults into ornaments. Do you follow? If you, there's a saying: mother named her blind son lotus eyes. Padmalochan. If your eyes are blind, then they're so usually the blind people wear some sunglasses or something like that because their eyes are not pretty. But the mother called her son who was blind Padmalochan, lotus eyes. You understand? Without thinking about it, her love turned his fault, the idea is, into an ornament. Other people say, why you named your son Lotus Eyes? But, but that's she's just saw with, with love in her heart. Everything about her son to be beautiful. Even though, objectively speaking, there were some things that were not beautiful, her subjective loving attachment turned all of his objectionable qualities, in this case, the, these eyes, into something beautiful. 
This is a very beautiful idea. So it illustrates the point that love has the power to turn faults into ornaments. So here we see the Goswamis explaining the Bhagavatam, really the Bhagavatam itself, book of, book of love. Bhagavatam is like the New Testament of the Vedas. It's the final word of Vyas. And after all the Dharma Shastras and um, uh, all the texts on Jnana, Upanishads, you know, the, the, the larger portion about Dharma, the uh, three quarters of the Veda, and then the last part about Jnana, hmm? from Dharma to Jnana, from attachment and acquisition to detachment, the corollary of knowledge. Hmm? All of this is surpassed by and really made wholesome and, and, and giving, given meaning to by the doctrine of love in the Bhagavatam. The path of dharma or karma is for material acquisition. So you know what happens when you acquire something material you, that you want, you become elated, and be, when it turns into something else, which is inevitable, it wears out, it breaks, it whatever, it becomes a cause of your disappointment. So you attain all the way up to heaven and live for a billion years, but then you have to come back down again. Hmm? So this is the karma marg. And in the Gyan Marg, well, that aims at um, it, it aims at at eternal life because it aims at the self mm-hmm. and not at acquisition and outward movement, but detachment and inner inward movement towards that which is real and endures, and so forth. So it, it, it points in the direction of something that is uh, eternal. But in, while in karma there's movement, the movement is based on ignorance. Ignorance of attachment. And the movement towards acquisition, which ultimately re- results in, in sorrow. So with the movement comes ignorance. When we move in the direction of knowledge, then we become detached from things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Because we want enduring happiness. So we move away from the temporal we come to the wise conclusion that the pursuit of happiness, enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure, is, is not wise. And so, while movement 
in the realm of karma is a product of ignorance. The detachment in the realm of jnana is a product of of knowledge. But in knowledge, there's no there's no action. And in movement or karma, hmm, there's no knowledge. <laughs> you understand? The movement in the realm of karma is without knowledge. And the, the stillness and the peace of knowledge is without movement. Do you understand? So we go from acquisition to, to contemplative life. Hmm? But in, in love, you have both movement and you have knowledge. Hmm? You make the two that are polar opposites wholesome and meaningful. Hmm? And arguably, they, that bringing the two together, hmm? like Krishna says in the Gita in the ninth chapter, Rajavija Rajaguhyam Pavitam Pavitram Idam Uttamam Pratyaksha Vagamam Dharmam Susukam Kartumavayam. He says, This Gyan that I'm going to teach you is Raja. Raja Vidya, Gyan, Vidya, Vidya means knowledge, Gyan. This is the king of knowledge, and it is Dharmya. Dharma and Gyan, again, are two opposite ends of the spectrum. First comes Dharma Jignasu, and when you've fully inquired into the religious life, it's thought you become qualified for Brahma Jignasu. So inquiring about how to live in the, within the human uh, frame, human life, with a religious color, from there to how to understand I'm not human, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an atma. Hmm? This is from dharma to jnana. So if you, if you live your human life in a way that is ethically sound, morally correct, hmm? religious, respectful to uh, nature and all that she provides, honoring the sun and the moon and the wind and, and, and understanding that I'm dependent in all of my movements for material life and acquisition upon nature. I'm a microcosm of the macrocosm and I bow down to... This is the Dharma Marg and so many gods and goddesses are worshipped and so on and so forth. Hmm? It's a way of proceeding within material life in consideration of the godly factor that, that I'm not in control. That my senses uh, in order to provide me the happiness that I derive from them are dependent upon something in nature. Like, for example, for my eyes to see, they're dependent upon the light of the sun. 
or a reflection of it or something like that, right? So I'm not independent in my sensual pursuit. My, my material happiness is, is properly understood, is acquired with some, some grace. With, with the sun didn't come up tomorrow morning, it would make the news, but no one could read it. There would be no light. Hmm? If the sun decided not to rise, hmm? problem. You or not to set, we get a glimpse of that in Finland. It's a problem. <laughs> so the, the, po- the point is that... Um, so anyway, this is the human life, religious life, and living a life like this, a life of gratitude, hmm? acknowledging that, that, that I'm not the center, I'm a dependent entity. Hmm? And moving in this way with, with, with gratitude and for nature. It said, if you love someone, then they'll tell you all their secrets. So modern science wants to know the secrets of nature. So it seeks to capture nature, put her in a jail, and torture her. Hmm? Just turn her over to our masseuse. Where, where is he? I don't see him here. Torturer. (laughs) And squeeze out some secrets. (laughs) So, just joking, of course. but, But... but the Vedic way to understand the secret of nature is not to torture her, <laughs> but, but to love her hmm? and show gratitude and so forth. And, and the secret of nature that is, that is realized by this particular approach of gratitude where you worship the different gods and goddesses. This worship of the different gods and goddesses is this worship is, 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 is again, is a bowing to nature and expressing one's indebtedness to her in, in order that I might live my life happily. So, this, what, what happens? Hmm? In this approach to nature... What secret do you realize? You realize the secret that will that that completely eludes the modern scientific approach. You realize that nature has a soul, and it's us. In human life, nature is shown to have a soul, to in a sense, to be self-aware in a prominent way. It's not that the animals are not self-aware. Even now, they've, they, 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 they're starting to realize even insects have some ego. Hmm? But then they think, well, because of this and because of that, and there's really no, things, nothing's, no such thing as a soul. Um, I mean, the, the idea 
that an insect could have self-awareness a decade ago alone in modern science if you were to make such a statement you would be drummed out of the academy and, and never have a job panpsychism the idea that consciousness is pervading everywhere it, it, it was thought to be madness now it's becoming a more popular idea because of Sankirtan. <laughs> That's a, another thing. But, uh, but um, even, if they, even as they start to think maybe there's something called consciousness that's not just relative to the human brain and doesn't emerge from there and still they have, they have to have a material understanding of it and so forth. So by contrast the Vedic dharmic approach to life, it makes, gives a very clear perception of the self mm-hmm. as its fruit. The real fruit of the dharma, marg, is that you have greater faith in the shastra. You get greater faith in it because shastra says you do this and you worship this god like this and then you're going to get a good son. And then you do it and you throw some ashes to the east and turn left and bow to the right and whatever it is and you have a good son. Hmm? And so then you, you, you get faith in the efficacy of, of, of the Shastra. So you look more deeply within it and then you, start, you realize, oh, it says something more. Hmm? Not just how to have a happy human life, but there's happiness that is so great that it exceeds the happiness of all humans at one time. If you could take all the happiness of all the humans for all of their senses, all the different kinds of happiness, and put it in the big syringe and inject yourself with it. Hmm? Well, there's a kind of happiness that exceeds all of that and you don't have to do anything to get it. Because material happiness, you have to do something to get it. To have a vacation, you have to work. Hmm? You understand? But this happiness, you don't have to move. You just have to sit. That's all. And be what you are. Hmm? Try instead of trying to add something to your life because you feel empty, you're actually full. Hmm? You are sat, you are chit, you are ananda. Hmm? You want to be secure, you want to acquire knowledge, you want to be happy, but you are secure, you are knowledge, you are happiness. This is the Vedic idea, again, from karma to jnana. Hmm? So when you inquire from the texts about religion and you learn to live the Vedic religious life of gratitude, as I'm explaining, then you are approaching nature in a very reverential way. I mean, India is just like it's like worship everything, culture. That's what it's like. 
the older brother is the guru, the father is the guru, the mother is a kind of a guru. I mean, uh, uh, cows are worshipable, trees are wor- uh, worshipable. I mean, it's, it's just a worship culture. That's what it is. Hmm? There's nothing like it anywhere, um, comparatively. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, you take your shoes off before you come in the house and everything. It's, it's very, it's a very uh, um, reverential, worshipful uh, culture. Hmm. And as a result of this, Gratitude is, is, is a beginning of love. When your children first learn to show gratitude, then, oh, it's very, very nice, you think. He, he, they're learning to love. They're learning. You get Somebody gave you something. You say, thank you. Oh. So it's a beginning of love. And again, when you love someone, they tell you all their secrets, Right? Those who love you, then you're not afraid to tell them. Hmm? <laughs> right? hmm? So we should have that kind of rapport with, with one another. Hmm? So, what is the nature then? What is the biggest secret of nature? Again, the secret of nature that, that, that really comes out in human life is that nature has a soul. It's not so apparent in insect life. It's not so apparent in animal life because the self-awareness of consciousness in those forms of life is still somewhat inhibited by the forms of life themselves. The human vehicle is particularly different. It's godlike comparatively. Hmm? So in, in human life, it's designed for self-introspection. And, and as I've said many times before, while in less complex forms of life, the how question arises. How to eat, how to survive. Hmm? In human life, the why question surfaces. Why am I? We can find, you know, animals are, are obviously aware and figure out how to do things, like how to open the gate, you know. Cows are particularly like, they're very curious and they're very, they get, it's been shown that they get satisfaction in solving little problems, like how to open the gate and get out and create mischief and so forth, get into your garden take down your tent like what's happened today they, they like that <laughs> so we can see that they, if we look carefully that there, 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 there's some self-awareness on some level but although their atma their soul if you will is not any different from ours it can only express itself relative to the vehicle that it's in just like you you may you may be able to step on a pedal all the way to the floor a gas pedal just as well as i can 
Do you drive? Okay, you're not the best example then. You know what I mean. You could sit in a car and put your foot on the gas pedal and press it down to the floor. Hmm? I can do the same thing. But if you're riding in a, in a Volkswagen, hmm? and uh, do they make cars in Poland? What's the best kind? Anyway, there's probably faster ones. Well, let's stay within Germany. If you're riding in a Volkswagen and I'm riding in a BMW, hmm, we can both make the same motion of stepping on the pedal, but I'm going to go faster than you. Hmm? You understand? Because of the vehicle is different. So the consciousness is kind of shaped in terms of its expression of itself by the form of matter that it is identified with. Hmm? This, the atma, the soul, in the, in the animal's body is the same as yours, has the same potential, but by the karmic uh, law, it's finding itself in, in an animal's body and is restrained from fully expressing itself. And so in human life, that self is facilitated for expressing itself and it begins to ask about itself. It's not asking as much how, how to eat or how to defend myself, how to mate, although we do ask those questions. The bigger question that surfaces is, why am I anyway? Why do I exist? And it gives us a big headache. Why am I? What is the meaning? What is the purpose? And so we do art and try to make a bigger meaning, a poetry, music. We make movies and people live happily ever after. Hmm? And, we, and, and people play sports like basketball and the ball goes, and if it goes, whoosh, it doesn't touch the rim. It goes straight in. Whoosh. Everybody feels like, oh, perfect. Hmm? And then he made the, made the score, the goal. It went. We, the whole, this is the, how you read the world. Everyone in human life feels that there's some perfection that transcends the limits of my humanity. And it's, it's attainable. So we're trying to attain it through all types of, of, of movement. And when we get a semblance of it, someone in the, in, 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 in the sports does something, breaks the, now it's Olympics, they break the record and they've gone, they've swum, they swam, you know, one ten thousandth of a second faster than, you know, the previous person and it's a celebration, he gets a gold medal and, and so forth. So what this is really all about and, and it's beautiful, too, like you take sports. It's a very beautiful thing in that it's, it, the, the game is won and one half is fully celebrating and the other half is completely crying. It's like Bhagavad Gita right there. That's hmm? fully speaking to you. You understand? Hmm? It's, uh, 
<laughs> so uh, these are teachings, for example, of the Gita. They're not just in the book. They're everywhere, if you, if you look. Hmm? So, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Vigne Nabhujai. How, what is the reading of the world through the eyes of, of the Vaishnav? Mahaprabhu Chaitanadev, he um, performed in Rathayatra, he sang a secular love song. Hmm? Now imagine if you came in my room and I was playing the, um, you know, the Beatles or something. You think, what's happening? Swami is, you know, listening to the secular music or something like that. Hmm? But Mahabharata was doing that in the Rathayatra festival. Hmm? And some people might have thought, what's with this Chaitanya? He's supposed to be sannyasi. He's singing a love song. Rupa Goswami very quickly wrote something, a couple of verses, explaining Sri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam, as Narutam prays, Tapitam Yena Bhutale, Swayam Rupakadamayam, Dadati Svapadantikam. When will the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that was known to Rupa Goswami, when will Rupa Goswami reveal the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to me? Hmm? He wrote a verse. And Mahabharata was completely thinking of the secular song and singing and living in Vrindavan. Hmm? Completely absorbed in the mood of, 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 of Radha. Hmm? And Rupa Goswami could, could understand. Not everybody could understand. Hmm? So it's just a side point. Hmm? And uh, the point being that what we learn in the books the whole world is actually talking to us about it. We have to learn to, to read it as such. Hmm? And so human life, in particular, is this pursuit of the, of the perfection that exceeds the human capacity. Here we are at the, high, the, 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 the end, the top of the food chain. Hmm? We're at the top of the food chain. We're the gods on earth in relation to the other species of life. And it's just not quite enough. We just want to do, we just feel there's a little, we're on the, on the cusp of, of a perfection that, that never really happens by material pursuit. Again, while one team wins at the last minute and, and they're all celebrating and, and, and then the papers kind of hide the other side that the other team is completely crying and completely depressed and so forth. So the, the efforts towards this perfection that exceeds the limits of humanity that are material are unsuccessful. But there is a way to move as humans and experience that perfection that exceeds anything that we can do in human life, a happiness that exceeds all the material pleasure, happiness put together. And it's described like this in the Shastra, that the happiness of, of getting married is like this, and ten times that is to get married twice. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the, the happiness of a human life is so much. And then the happiness of the Devaloka, 
heavens is hundred times more, and the happiness of Brahmaloka is a hundred times more, and it goes like this. And the happiness of the Atma is unlimited. Hmm? It's a different category altogether. It's the very thing that human life speaks to us about, that it's possible. Hmm? Something like this is possible. It's speaking to us about it. But we, in order to attain it, to realize it, to, to, to get the secret, secret of life, hmm? then you have to turn inward. And the Shastra, the scripture, is, is, is meant to turn us inward even when it encourages us to go outward, when in three-quarters of the sacred texts of the Hindus, it speaks about getting things, getting a better house, going to Devaloka, getting a house there. It's a big you know, real estate advertisement, the Veda. You can get a house in Indraloka. Live here. Hmm? House will last for ten million years, <laughs> right? You will have your neighbors will not complain. <laughs> this very nice community here. So, so good schools, yes. And so, you can enjoy. Everybody enjoys here as much as they want. There's no ha- happiness here. There's no unhappiness here until the time runs out. Ten zillion years from now, don't worry about it. Hmm? This is advertisement in the the Veda. You know what it is? It's a preaching strategy. That's what it is. Three quarters of the Hindu sacred texts are a preaching strategy. Hmm? It's it's waving this carrot Hmm? because it's saying in order to get there, you have to follow the Veda. So there's some sacrifice that you have to make. And sacrifice means that you go, start to go inward. You start to give. In order to get, you have to give. You go, so, okay, I will give. If I can get, I will give. Hmm? And gradually what we learn is that the giving is, is the getting itself. As the giving becomes refined in terms of the object that we repose our giving in and the quality of our, our giving. The Vedas want us to start giving. It says to us that human life is for loving. And loving is about giving. So if I can get you, I mean, you were just an animal a lifetime ago. Hmm? How are you going to teach an animal to, to give, you know, if you have a couple of a couple of dogs and you call them dinner time, you know, and one's eating and the other one can't get you, you have, can you teach the dog to be more polite and let your your friend over here have some too, you know? No, you, you can't really. You have to pull them apart, you know. So here now we become humans, having been animals. So some training now. How to they have to learn how to give now. This is the human life is for loving, hmm? ultimately. So, if I can say, okay, you want this? Huh? You want this? Okay, now you give. And that's how you teach an animal, right? Say, okay, you want this? Now, first, nope, sit, 
Is it? Okay. You made a little sacrifice. You sat down, and now you get a cracker. <laughs> Something like that. So the Vedas are teaching humans like this. Hmm? By offering something. Hmm? Looks desirable. To get it, you have to make some sacrifice. And so what you really get, this is the trick of the Veda. You see, it's a preaching strategy. What they're really saying to you is giving, sacrificing is, is the goal. That's what's desirable. Hmm? But that's hidden because the sacrifice is a little thing and the, and the gift you get is a big thing. Hmm? But really the sacrificing is the big thing. And so when you become uh, fully dharmic, hmm, then you become this giver like Ram, ready to give no matter what the consequences are. If it's the right thing to do, I'll do it no matter what the consequence is. He's so dharmic that he couldn't be human. No one could be so dharmic as Ram. Hmm? Doing what is right, no matter what the the consequences are. It's a difficult thing to do. Hmm? So, when you become fully dharmic, then then the idea is, now you are qualified to inquire about about Brahman, to go from karma to jnana, from action to knowledge. And in knowledge, again, it's, it's an attractive idea because now you can have a happiness that exceeds all human happiness put together and you don't have to do anything to get it. You just have to sit. Hmm? You have to sit and go within. But you can't sit as long as you have desires in your, for acquisition. Hmm? So we give a little acquisition at the price of a little sacrifice and gradually, gradually the heart becomes purified, karma becomes nishkam karma, becomes gyan. But again, the problem still remains, a problem still remains in terms of the perfection we want to attain because in karma there's movement But that movement is ignorance. In Gyan, there's peace, rest, vacation. Hmm? There's knowledge, but there's no movement. Hmm? You sit only. In love, there's movement and there's knowledge, both. So these are two tracks, really, of material life, bog and tyag, hmm? enjoying and and, and, and giving up, which means knowing. Enjoying, which means ignorance, and, and giving up the attachment, which means knowing. Hmm? But they don't go anywhere under themselves. Hmm? The Gyan Marg points in the direction of eternity because it points to the self. Hmm? But unto itself, it cannot free the self, bring the self out. Hmm? Bhakti can do that. Hmm? and give the, 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 the self wholesome movement that's wise, that is love. Hmm? So this Srimad Bhagavatam is about bhakti. Sabai pum samparo dharmo yato bhakti rathoksaje ohei tuki apatiyatayayatnosampasirati It is a different kind of dharma. It's a dharma 
that is not the opposite of jnana. Again, the Gita says, this knowledge, Rajavidya, is dharmyam. Typically, that you give up the dharma to come to the, the jnana. When you have jnana, you're, you're, you're a sannyasi, you transcend the dharma, the, the karma marg. You understand? That's, the, that's sarva-dharman, the ordinary understanding of the Gita. Sarva-dharman pritya jatek sanyas. Give up the dharma. Hmm? So, <laughs> Bhagavatam, this is a different kind of dharma hmm? that is, is the perfection of action and the perfection of knowing, both. Hmm? It's a third thing that synthesizes the two, makes them wholesome. Karma and jnana. In this sense, action and love, action and knowledge, they're both inside love. Hmm? So all the scriptures, the last word in them is the Bhagavatam. Hmm? It's a New Testament. It, it speaks only about love. It, it, it dismisses the paths, path of Dharma and the path of Gyan. It says, in the words of Rupa Goswami, the desire for Gyan and the desire for Karma are like witches that haunt the house of the heart. If you want to live peacefully in the house of the heart, it can't be haunted. Hmm? Well, there's another verse. What does it say? Sakala. Nishkam eva. Bhukti Mukti Siddhika Sakaliya Shanta Krishna Bhakti Nishkam Ataeva Shanta Something it might not be the one Bhukti Mukti Desiring for enjoyment Krishna Bhakti Nishkam The Krishna Bhakti is Nishkam He's, He has peace He can be at peace in the house of the heart but if the heart is haunted by the desire for karma for material acquisition, or for gyan, for hiding. One wants to wants to exploit the world. One wants to get a, run away from the world. Karma wants to steal from the world, and gyan wants to run away from the world. Both are centered on the world. Bhakti is otherworldly. Only the devotee, that verse, uh, only the devotee can be peaceful, can live in a peaceful house. Hmm? If the heart is haunted by desires for karma and gyan, then hmm, it's troubled. <laughs> we may think that the desire for gyan is better than the desire for for karma, but not. A, this is again how how the doctrine of love of the Bhagavatam turns everything on its head, upside down. According to the Bhagavatam. 
the desire for mukti, jnana, is much worse than the desire for going to heaven. What? Hmm? Because, why? Because material desires, they cannot be as strong as the desire for mukti. Because the desire for mukti, mumukshatva, this is the, this is the center of the jnana marg, desire for mukti. It, it is, has to be so strong that it can retire all the material desires. Hmm? Therefore, it's stronger than all the material desires. So if you have a sanskar for mukti, hmm, you've got a big problem in terms of bhakti. If you have a sanskar for worldly desire, we can deal with that. That's not so hard. Hmm? Because you'll get tired of that anyway. Hmm? And you'll like this for a while, and you change, and then you want something else and something else. And it's easy to show none of these things will satisfy you. And so, hmm? But mukti and the thought of eternally doing nothing, ah, eternally re- just relaxing, I've got nothing to do. Nobody's going to call on me for anything. Hmm? This is Gyanmarg. It's a complete ignorance of God that there is somebody hmm, from whom we are derived and even our eternal life is, is derived, is deriv- derivative of ignoring him. It's a huge ignorance the gyan of mukti. It's ignoring a glaring truth that is more apparent even in the karma marg. In the karma marg, once years ago, when I first started writing, hmm, I was writing a magazine called Clarion Call. This was in uh, like 1985. Hmm? And so I created the whole magazine myself. I wrote most of the articles under different names. And uh, not all of them, but... And, uh, and uh, I only had a couple of people with me, but we were, we were putting out this magazine. And so um, at one point, I hired a lady to do some of the artwork. Hmm? And there was a, a devotee who was thought... Uh, of herself as an artist and wanted to do some artwork for the magazine. So she did some artwork and it, it, it didn't work for me, you know, and I was the art director, so <laughs> I, you know, and so I had to tell her, you know, uh, we're not going to use it, you know. So then I just happened to be walking down the hall and I heard her talking to the lady that I hired who, was, who would lay out the magazine. And she was saying, you know, I did it you know, for Swami, you know, I, I made the artwork, he didn't use it. And, you know, and, and what kind of Swami is he? You know? <laughs> and, and so the, the, uh, the designer said, well, you know, the thing is, you know, when you work in the world, the whole idea is 
you have to please the boss, you know. It's not about, you know, you know, you go to school, you learn art, and you think you're just going to do your art, but you have to work for somebody, and you have to please, you know. And I was listening, <laughs> she was giving a real good class, like on Bhagavad Gita basics, you know, that you, you just, you got to serve, you know. Hmm? That's, even in material life, that, that's, so the point is, in the realm of karma, even, you learn this, hmm? I've got to please my boss. You know, it's not exactly the way I want to do it, but okay. If I want, if I want to get what I want, I've got to bargain with somebody else, hmm? make a deal, and so. So there's more possibility to learn, if you will, in the realm of karma. In the realm of gyan, you just that's it. It's it's, it's you're lost there. You can merge in the in the brahman and. Therefore, the Godi is called like a spiritual suicide. Hmm? So this is, again, how Bhagavatam kind of turns things upside down. That's what love does. It turns everything upside down. It's, it's a commotion. And, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and beyond uh, explanation, you know, you can explain karma really well. Like if I give a lecture to yoga students, as I sometimes do, I can give a real good explanation of the problem of material life and attachment and so forth, the virtues of knowing the self and so forth. So you take them from karma you know, to, 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 to what is the atma and so forth. And now you've got to then start talking, as we are now, about Krishna. It becomes like, well, this is going to be a lot harder now. I just told them, you know, that... Nama Rupa, the world of forms and names is illusory. Hmm? Okay, yeah, consciousness is 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 unnamed and you know not limited by the forms. Cool, yeah. And now I have to talk about spiritual forms and spiritual names. And it's like, what? I thought you said, you know. So it's it's. Harder to talk about love, but the Bhagavatam does a good job. Hmm? It's the New Testament of the of the Vedic literature. It's the final word, hmm? the last word. Hmm? It's purely a doctrine of love. Hmm? It turns the Kali Yuga, the worst time, Tree Yuga. It's so bad that Vishnu doesn't even come in that Yuga. He only comes in three Yugas. Hmm? But Bhagavatam says, no, it's actually the best yuga. Hmm? And the reason he's called tree yuga is because he comes in the Kali Yuga in disguise. Krishna Varnam Tisakrishnam Sangopangastra Parshadam. He comes and not alone. Hmm? He's Krishna Varnam. He's in the category of Krishna. He's Krishna Varnam. From him, the syllables, Krishna, are always coming from his mouth. Krishna, the Krishna. Krishna varnam, tisa Krishna. He's Krishna, but he's not Krishna. Krishna means like black. He's Krishna. Krishna always coming from his mouth. Hmm? He's in the category of Krishna. But he's not dark like Krishna, which means he's other color. He's opposite. He's fair. He's golden. Hmm? The color of Mahabhav. 
Krishna Varnamti Sakrishnam and not alone. Sangopangastra Parshadam. He comes with his weapons. His arms are his weapons. And his and his his um, martial art is his his, his dancing, hmm? waving his arms, hmm? and he has some associates, hmm? and they're doing the same thing, in unison. Yatra sankirtanayneva. No, what is it? Krishna Varnati Sakrishnam Sangopangascha Parshnam Yagnai Sankirtana Prayer Yajantihi Sumedasaha And those who are very Sumedasa Medasa means intelligence Sumedasa The very good theistic intelligence from Bhakti Sangskars from previous lives hmm? they worship him in the way that he shows to worship through Sankirtan. Sankirtan. He does Sankirtan. Hmm? This Sankirtan is a yagya. It is the yagya means sacrifice, right? Hmm? So you ask how Kirtan, Krishna Nam is very nice. He gives everything to us. How, how do we give? Kirtan is a giving. It is a yagya. It is the supreme sacrifice because why because in ordinary sacrifices you have to give something and put it in the fire right you have to sacrifice something you have something you have to put it in the fire but in Sankirtan what do you put in the fire you have to put your heart in the fire Hmm? you have to put yourself in there Hmm? It's, it's, we're teaching human sacrifice here. <laughs> That's what we teach. Let everybody know. We were in Poland and they were teaching about human sacrifice. <laughs> That's right. So you, you have to cut out your heart and put it in, in the fires and kirtan. Because this kirtan, properly understood, it is an anga, a limb of the body of bhakti. And bhakti... Is, means love. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's an uh, ananya bhakti, ahoyitaki bhakti, the parodharma. It's exclusive. Kirtan means I will when I doing kirtan. I'm giving, and the teaching is kirtani kirtani. What is it? Kirtaniya. Sada, Hari, always. Hmm? This is Sankirtan, continuous. So my tongue is only moving for Krishna, only moving in, in glorification of Krishna. Kirtan means to, uh, it comes from what the verbal root, Rigo? verbal root of Kirtan, Kirti, Kirt, fame. Right? To, to, so, to 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 give praise to another. That's what kirtan means. To pr- to praise another. Hmm? So when we do kirtan, 
when we are praising out loud to Krishna, we're saying, my heart feels like this, and I'm going to sing it out. Hmm? And there must be some statement like that in the Bible. Is a, sing the name of God or something. I don't know. Um, so it is giving. Hmm? It is a, it is a, the supreme act of of giving. It is the supreme sacrifice. It is a sacrifice particularly meant for Kali Yuga. And if you only do it with your tongue and you count only instead of chanting, then that's another thing. Hmm? But if you, you give your heart, like sometimes you want to sit and chant, but your mind wanders, right? So how can you stop your mind from wandering? Well, you could put a blindfold on. So you could plug your ears. So nothing comes into your heart through the ears. Nothing comes in through the eyes. You can't plug your nose. That would be a problem. Um, You could do so many mechanical things to try to make your mind peaceful. Hmm? Um, But the simple thing is this. If you want to focus your mind then where is your mind anyway? Your mind is going wherever your heart is going. Hmm? If your heart is going to your kids, your mind will go there. <laughs> Naturally, right? Hmm? And it should. <laughs> but when you give your heart, then the mind will automatically be there. So you have to learn to chant by giving your heart. That Prabhupada said it very simply, like crying out to be like a child crying to be lost, crying for her mother. Hmm? It's a basic idea to make some 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 union with our with our source. Hmm? Maybe that doesn't sound like a, like giving a child crying, but but recognizing I'm dependent. Um, I belong to you. Hmm? It's a statement like this. I belong to you, to no one else. Hmm? Something like this. So it is very much properly understood. Kirtan is an act of giving. We like to hear ourselves praised. If we hear people talking about us in the next room, we'll give all attention there. They're talking about me. Whoa. Okay. What are they saying about me? So, if we are always talking about Krishna, then, then, Krishna will say, "What are they saying? What is he saying about me?" He will come and give his attention to you. So you are giving attention to Krishna. You're giving your attention. You're putting attention on Krishna. So Krishna will put attention on you. That is the idea. Hmm? So properly understood, this kirtan is is, is the supreme act of of giving. Does that help? That's the long answer. (laughs) What's the time now? Pardon? Yes, Prabhupada.
much in uh, reading Shaitan Charitamrita Madhya Lila. I mean, the uh, 20th chapter, it's part of the Sanatan Shiksha. <coughs> Mahaprabhu is teaching Sanatan about Avatar Tattva. And towards the end of that chapter, around verse 370 or something like this, uh, Sanatan is asking, Mahaprabhu has just told about the Yuga Avatars. And then Sanatana Goswami, he asked the smart question, of course, that about the, the Kali Yuga Avatar. And uh, in that place, Mahaprabhu kind of deflects the question. He says that, just study the Shastra and uh, you'll find the details there. Don't listen. A real Avatar will never say, I'm an Avatar. Rather, you should. Don't listen to stuff like this. Go to the Shastra. But then he says uh, that uh, in the Shastra, uh, things are described in, uh, according to the primary characteristics and then the secondary characteristics. And uh, in the case of an, of an avatar, the primary characteristics are Akriti, Prakriti, and Svarupa. The, 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 the appearance, the nature, and, and uh, the form. And the secondary characteristics are what that avatar is supposed to do. I'm wondering where this, this distinction comes, because I, I don't remember reading anything like this anywhere else. Between the marginal and the, and the uh, principal Yes. Characteristics. Uh, also, because when we discre- when we speak about uh, Mahaprabhu, we usually, for example, quoting this verse that we quoted in, in the previous answer about Yajna Sankirtana Praya and so on. Talk about what he's doing. Yeah, we're, we're focusing on, on on this activity mm-hmm. rather than uh, he's the avatar because he's golden and uh, he has his arms down to his knees and things like this. Well, I guess it comes from Mahaprabhu. <laughs> uh, we might look at the 11th canto where the Yuga avatars are described. Um, and both things are given, I think, their, their form, their color, bodily characteristics, and so forth, as you say. And then um, um, what they'll do I think must also be there, um, but I don't really have any explanation that comes to mind as to why Mahaprabhu would would um, distinguish in that way between tatast lakshan and sarup lakshan. But if you give me some time to think about it, maybe I maybe I could come up with some. Reply. I mean, in such cases, without a reply, we take it from Mahaprabhu. This is his teaching, some aspect of his teaching, and um, and uh, proceed accordingly. But um, I mean, typically, one thing that comes to mind is that the characteristics are kind of unique, and and tend to um, be indicative of 
a godly person in comparison to other people. They have extraordinary bodily characteristics and uh, colors and, uh, and 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 so forth. Um, and those types of um, characteristics um, uh, unto themselves distinguish them in ways that persons teaching a particular doctrine would otherwise not be able to distinguish themselves from ordinary humans. Um, And so perhaps for that reason, um, in other words, someone could teach something extraordinary, but um, that would not overtly uh, say to us that they were What avatars in the in the same way that, well, you know, for example, if someone appeared with four hands, would would speak more loudly to us, about, and we might even it might even cause us to 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 to, to listen to them a little bit, bit more. Um, so, um, possibly uh, some emphasis uh, along those those lines. Um, Again, different types of people could 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 teach. It may also be um, the idea that that the precept is is one thing, and the example is is speaks louder. Something with the shade of that that the example speaks louder than the precept. So unto himself, even without teaching, the avatar is distinguished. And the teaching then um, is um, a secondary characteristic. But uh, I'll take a look at it and see if I can come up with something a little more. Anything else? Yes. Um, Marge, did you want to comment on that? No. No. Uh, I've got a question from Tretani Charitamita. Did you send me on that one back on that? And discussion has really developed. So uh, when Lord Chaitanya comes to Jagannath Puri and he enters Jagannath's temple, he by seeing Jagannath, he loses consciousness. And then Sarvabhava Bhattacharya comes and said that uh, he recognized in Lord Chaitanya Sattvika Bhavas, which are a sign of great devotee. Uh, so then he takes him to his quarters, he finds out who he is. And then it said that. Uh, Later he <coughs> offers Lord Chaitanya that he will teach him monist philosophy. So I was wondering how, uh, how come that uh, Sarvabhava Bhattacharya is a monist, but he recognizes uh, great devotees, he recognizes Sattvika Bhavas. So I wonder if as a monist what meaning for him had the Bhavas, this Sattvika Bhavas, and yeah, the w Czytancie tam wiecie, kiedy, kiedy pan Czytanie przychodzi do świętej Dżaganata, on tam traci przytomność w ekstazie i zjawia się Sabadawa Bataczaria, który rozp- pisze, że rozpoznał w nim 
wielkiego wielbiciela. Symptomy ekstazy rozpoznał. No a później zaproponował pan Czajtanie, żeby jego uczył filozofii monistycznej, filozofii personalnej. Zastanawiam się, co dla niego, skoro on był monistą, oznaczały te symptomy pana Czajtanie, jak to pogodzić. Well, I think that um, there's probably a couple of ways to look at it, but briefly, um, it's not that um, monists experience no ecstasy and um, they're... Um, uh, Monists can also enter into a trance and pass out, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did, and this is described by Rupa Goswami in uh, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he speaks about Bhava and the shadow of Bhav and a boss of Bhav, or the reflection of Bhava and so forth, appearing in impersonalists. And so uh, you could look at it in that way that Sarabhama was familiar with the idea of bhava or ecstasy um, in the context of his knowledge and experience within monism without having the very specific and refined, nuanced understanding of bhava given by Rupa Goswami, which is, which is I mean, you know, You're not going to find anything like that anywhere. A explanation of ecstasy, different degrees and types and intensities and shadows of, and I mean, it's like an incredible treatise on ecstasy what Rupa Goswami has given, and it's an interesting subject, of course, that that people are familiar with to some extent. Um, we did it years ago. When I, I we were writing this magazine, Clarion Call, I mentioned to you, we used to each issue, it came out quarterly, four times a year, each issue was thematic, so it had a particular subject. So we did one on ecstasy, and uh, I had the picture of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the, on the cover, weeping and so forth. It was our biggest seller. I, did, I didn't know there was a drug called ecstasy at the time, but I think it was popular. But uh, <laughs> ecstasy... Is, it was a, was a popular idea. And often, as well, today, there are people that have some knowledge of it, and, but their knowledge is limited, and they even compare the ecstasy of mystics, in a general sense, to the ecstasy of a psychedelic experience. Um, and I've had both, to be honest with you. So there is a difference. <laughs> Quite a big difference. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Marge is probably <laughs> testimony can make a testimony to the same effect. But uh, uh, so I think that there's a <laughs> one retires the other. I can tell you that. So. Um, So there may be, he had some general knowledge of the, the fact that if someone goes into a trance, then uh, it's extraordinary. Now the language that Kaviraj has used 
may be such that he has used language from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and put it in into the, the mouth of Sarabhama Bhattacharya and or maybe the commentaries have have said and it was the sus uh, sudipta you know fullest inflamed uh, and so forth but it's it would be uh, not have been possible for Sarabhama to have understood such without having studied the commentary of Rasamrita Sindhu which which of course is thought to be a book in which Rupa Goswami uses the framework of uh, drama, Indian aesthetics, to uh, to speak about the world of ecstasy. But you can see, for example, in this chapter about Baba, how it exceeds beyond that. In the dramatic realm, there's no explanation of you know, inflamed bhava in which all eight of the ecstatic um, uh, uh, involuntary symptoms of ecstasy are occurring at the same time so it's not in the drama it's that Bharat Muni didn't write about about that um, therefore there's the opposite idea of course that 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 that, that, the, uh, that Bharat Muni is was a poor student <laughs> Of of the uh, of rasa, Bharat Muni is the one who is famous for like the original sage behind the uh, the theory of aesthetics in India. Like you've got that sage who wrote the Kama Sutra. There's a sage behind everything in India. The book about Kama. He was a, I think. A, from the from the from the Nyaya school or something like that. Anyway, so uh, he's a student of Rasa, but he didn't get it. That because, as Mahaprabhu said, what does Bharat know about Rasa? He says that in intimacy, man and woman enjoy equally. He knows nothing about Rasa. Because the love of Radha and her experience far exceeds my own hmm? in our love and loving exchange for one another. And therefore, as a connoisseur of love, I'm driven. To, I must taste her experience of me. Somehow I must transform myself. And this is his madness. So, anyway, I think that... Uh, um, that uh, Sarvabhuma had some general acquaintance and he saw this is a, a sannyasi. He's passed out in the temple in a trance. He must be very advanced. Uh, still, he wanted to teach him hmm, because he thought that, well, he had an experience. That's one thing. But we need to have a, a spiritual life, not a, only a spiritual experience. And so the a spiritual experience which comes and may go should be fortified by by knowledge and understanding and so he was accustomed like this to, to teach young sannyasis that the, the logic solidify them in the logic of their pursuit which the experience does more to solidify one but it may may come 
and go. There may be gaps. Hmm? And then we're carried in the, in, during the gap, during the dark night of the soul by the, by the logic, by the philosophy. And we, we, can't, we can't just revert to sense enjoyment because we know too much. And it's too, it, it, we'd be too hypocritical. And it, it, it spoils the party. The knowledge just spoils the party of sense enjoyment. It's, it's, uh, it renders us you know, incapable of returning to such. And so again we have to turn, so, something like that. And he wanted to teach him like that. And of course he ended up being schooled by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The, the grave and sober and older Sarvabhoma was schooled by the 25-year-old sannyasi Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Shriman Mahaprabhu Jai. All right, so we'll stop there for tonight. We'll meet again tomorrow morning. Si Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki Jai. Si Si Gaur Nitananda ki Jai. Si Si Dauji Gopal ki Jai. Si Gaurada Madhava ki Jai. Gaur Bhakta Brinda ki Jai. Gaur Premanandi.